turn around and shake hands and fellowship one with another. Welcome our visitors.
Thank you. You may be seated. Let's let rushers come forward to receive her offering. And what a privilege it is to be able to give to the Lord today. Amen. We serve a great God. Let's ask the Lord to bless our giving this morning. Father, as we give to you, Father, may we give in obedience to you. May we give you that which you have commanded us to give. And may we give in such a way that it will reflect the gratitude that we have for you. So continue to move in this service in Jesus' name. Amen.
peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world give, give unto you. Oh, nothing compares to the promise I have in you. <laughs>
praise his name this morning. Are you glad that his blood has covered you? Say amen. Take your Bible and be finding Jeremiah chapter 8, the book of Jeremiah chapter 8, and we'll look at a verse of Scripture there today and lift from it a question that is asked in Jeremiah 8 and verse 22. While you're finding your place, let me encourage you to be in the evening services as I mentioned last week, I am doing something that I've never done before, and that's preaching a series of sermons that I have preached before here in this place. And it's a series of sermons entitled, How to Handle What's Handling You. I did it three or four years ago, and they're a little bit different. I've rearranged them and changed them for various reasons, but I want you to be here tonight and over the next few Sunday nights as we look at these things you see, there's a lot of things that we uh, deal with in life, a lot of things that we face in life, and a lot of times there are things handling us that we ought to be handling in our life. Tonight, we're going to think about so you feel like a guilty dog. And I want you to be here in the service, and we're going to talk about guilt. Now, it may be that sometime in your life, you have failed the Lord. And one of the tools that the devil uses to defeat you is guilt. We're going to deal with that tonight and learn how to handle guilt rather than guilt handling us. But I want you to stand this morning as we honor the reading of his word. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 22. We have three questions that are asked in this one verse. I'm going to look at all of them. We're going to build our thoughts around the first question that is asked. In Jeremiah 8, verse 22, the question is asked, is there no bomb in Gilead? Second question, is there no physician there? The third question, why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? Now here's the question, verse 22, is there no bomb in Gilead? Thank you, you may be seated. Let's pray, and we're going to think about that question, <clears throat> and we're going to consider the question in the light of its context, and we'll ask ourselves today if there is a bomb in Gilead. So let's pray. Our Father, this morning in Jesus' name, as we come to you, Lord, we want to thank you for the precious blood of the Lord Jesus that has covered and cleansed our sin. Lord, we not only thank you for that day in 1972 when you covered our sins, but I thank you, Lord, for the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that has continued to work in our lives to cleanse us of all sin. We thank you for that. And it is because of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that we come before you this morning. Through your blood, you've opened a new and a living way. Through your blood, we are clean and Lord, through your blood, our fellowship with you is maintained. So we thank you today for the blood. Now, Lord, there may be someone here today that has a very special need in their heart. Help them to understand today that there is a bomb in Gilead. Draw them to you today, and may they experience your healing power in their heart and in their soul and in their life. 
And Lord, we lift this sermon up to you. We lift these thoughts up to you. Give them to you that you might use them in the heart of each person here. For it is in the name of Jesus Christ we pray and ask these things, amen. I think about an old preacher that was dying. And he sent a message, message for his doctor and his lawyer to come to his home. So when the doctor and lawyer arrived, they were ushered to the old preacher's bedroom. As they entered the room, the preacher held out his hands and he motioned for them to sit one on each side of his bed. The preacher grasped their hands, sighed contently, smiled and lay there staring at the ceiling. For a long time, not one word was spoken. Well, both the doctor and the lawyer were flattered that the preacher had asked them to spend his dying moments with them. But at the same time, they were a bit puzzled why he had asked for them to be there. So finally, the doctor said, Preacher, why did you ask us to come? The old preacher mustered up his strength, raised himself up a bit in the bed, and then weakly he said, Jesus died between two thieves, and that's the way I want to die. <laughs> well, let me go on record this morning and say that not all doctors and not all lawyers are thieves. I know some good doctors, and I've even read about one or two good lawyers. Can I get an amen right there? Not all doctors and lawyers are thieves. Won't you understand that? But I think sometimes the cost of seeing a doctor or the cost of seeing a lawyer makes us wonder sometimes if they're not thieves. You may feel like the wife that the preacher called one day to check on her husband. He's in the hospital, so he called and wanted to know how he was doing. And she said, he's fine, he's improving, but he's still in the expensive care unit. Well, you may feel that way about it. <clears throat> but as we look in our text in Jeremiah eight twenty two, we find that doctors and medicine and health is the subject. There are three questions that are asked in verse 22. I pointed them out a moment ago. Question number one is, is there no bomb in Gilead? The second question is, is there no physician there? And the third question is, why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? In the first question, the subject is medicine. In the second question, the subject is doctors. But in the third question, the subject is health. Now, I want you to understand this morning that when Jeremiah was talking about medicine and talking about doctors and talking about health, he was not talking about physical health. He is talking about spiritual health. So understanding that, let me just point out to you three things today from the text, and I want you to glean from these things, and let's build our thoughts around the question, is there no bomb in Gilead? Open your heart to the truth that we find in these questions. Let me give you the first of three things. The first thing that I want you to think about is when the bomb is required. When the bomb is required, the question is asked, is there no bomb in Gilead? Now, the word bomb is a word that speaks of a substance or a commodity that was very, very popular in Jeremiah's time. It was a substance or a commodity that was celebrated for its medicinal qualities. The word itself is a rendering of a Hebrew word that denotes the gum or the resin of a tree that grew in Gilead. It was a very valuable commodity sold by the Arab and Phoenician merchants. You may remember the story of Joseph being sold by his brothers to a caravan that was on their way to Egypt. 
The Bible tells us that the caravan was made up of a group of Ishmaelites from Gilead. And the Bible tells us in Genesis 37, 25, that one of the items they were carrying to Egypt was balm from Gilead. Tradition tells us that one of the gifts that the Queen of Sheba brought to Solomon was the balm of Gilead. Now, it's a very valuable commodity. The value and the worth of this bomb was such that in the days of Solomon, the gardens in which it grew were annexed by the king and became an item in the royal revenue. It was, such a, it was of such value that during the time of the Romans, a battle was fought for his possession. And when Vespasian entered Rome in his triumphal procession, one of the signs or one of the symbols of victory that he carried was one of the trees from Gilead from which this bomb came. As I said, it was a very, very valuable commodity. But it was celebrated most of all for its medicinal qualities. And so when the question was asked, is there no bomb in Gilead? The thought behind the question was the spiritual health of the people. Now, when you look at the context, you find reasons why this bomb was needed. You find reasons why the bomb of Gilead was required. Why was this bomb needed? Let me just point out a couple of things. For example, first of all, you find that this bomb is needed or required when there is a sorrowful heart. When there is a heart that has been broken by sorrow, there is a need for the bomb of Gilead. Notice verse 18 of our text. Jeremiah 8, verse 18. The Bible said, When I would comfort myself against sorrow, my heart is faint in me. Now, Jeremiah speaks of a sorrowful heart. And the particular word sorrow that he uses there is a word that describes the grief that is the result of some calamity in life or some affliction in life. He was saying, my heart is broken. My heart is a sorrowful heart. There are things that have happened in my life that have produced tremendous grief in my life. When he uses the words, my heart is faint in me, he uses a word that speaks of being sick. He is saying, my heart is sick with sorrow. So what you have here is a sorrowful heart, and you find a reason for this bomb or a need for this bomb, a sorrowful heart. I think of the psalmist in Psalm 13, too. He spoke of having sorrow in his heart daily. In Psalm 38, 17, he spoke of the sorrow. He spoke of his sorrow as being continually before him. And in Psalm 107, 39, he spoke of being brought low through oppression, through affliction, and through sorrow. That is very possible that there is someone here today that's like the psalmist. The circumstances of life have brought daily and maybe even continual sorrow in your life. Like the psalmist, you have been brought low. You have been brought down. It has been a heavy load to carry the sorrow that you bear. I think of a Chinese parable that tells the story of a woman that lost an only son. And as you can imagine, her heart was grief-stricken. She was grief-stricken out of all reason. She made her sorrow a welling wall in her life. But finally, she went to this wise old man, and, he and she shared her grief and her sorrow. And he said to her, he said, I'll do this. I will give you back your son if you'll bring me some mustard seed. However, the mustard seed must come from a home where there has never been any sorrow. 
So the lady left, eagerly starting her search, and she went from house to house, finding this mustard seed in a home in which there was no sorrow. Finally, she realized, and she said, how selfish I have been in my grief. Sorrow is common to all. She found in every home that she went that sorrow had been in that home. I remind you this morning that there's not a, that sorrow is common to every one of us. There is not a person in this room that is not familiar with sorrow. Why is there a need for bomb in our life? Why is there a need for this bomb in Gilead? When there is a sorrowful heart, there is the need of the bomb. But look at the second thing. Not only when there is a sorrowful heart is there a need of this bomb, but when there is a sinful heart, there is a need of this bomb. There is a sorrowful heart in verse 18. But look in verse 19. Jeremiah gives us the signs of a sinful heart. Look at verse 19. He said, Behold the, the voice of the cry of the daughter of my people. He said, Listen carefully to the cry of my people. Because of them that dwell in a far country. Is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? Now notice, why have they provoked me to anger with their graven images and with strange vanities? You see, Jeremiah is preaching and writing to a people that had turned from the one and true God to worship false gods through graven images. In other words, what you have in verse 19 is a case of a sin-sick heart. God has been forsaken. God has been forgotten. There is idolatry there. There is a sin-sick heart. It is not only possible that there could be some here today with sorrowful hearts, but it could be possible there's some here today with sinful hearts. And by that, you, I mean that you have no room in your heart for God. You have no time for God. You have very little thought of God. Instead of the Lord being enthroned in your heart, your life is filled with the things of this life and filled with the things of this world, and your life is filled with things that displease and grieve God. You notice that Jeremiah used an interesting description when he spoke of the idolatry of the people. He called it strange vanities. The word strange speaks of that which is foreign and is a word that is descriptive of the characteristic of the heathens. But you notice the word vanities there. It speaks of that which is empty and that which is in vain. He says their sinful hearts were not only sinful hearts, their hearts were not only sinful, but their hearts were empty as well. You see, all their idolatry, all that their idolatry had done was had left them with a huge vacuum in their heart. There was a big hole, an empty spot in their heart because of their worship of false gods. But that's the story of sin in every case, amen? Sin, we think it brings pleasure, and we think sin will bring all this joy in my life. But what sin does is leave you with an empty heart. But that may be the case today. There may be someone under the sound of my voice whose heart has been broken. You have a sorrowful heart. But there may be those under the sound of my voice today that God has no place in your life. You have a sinful heart. That's why the bomb is required. That's why the bomb is needed. But look at the second thing I want to point out. Not only when the bomb is required, but second of all, where the bomb is received. Now listen carefully to the question. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Gilead in the Bible was a mountainous region east of Jordan. Elijah the prophet was from Gilead. 
It was in Gilead that Jacob encountered the angel of the Lord at Peniel. David retreated to Gilead during the time that his life was in danger. When you come to the New Testament, Revelation, to read about the church of Philadelphia, Philadelphia was located in Gilead. The name itself means rough. It means rugged. For Gilead was a rugged country with peaks reaching over 3,500 feet. Within these peaks are, were plains and are plains with grassland in which the famous herds and flocks of the Gileads were attended. The King Highway, an important international trade route, passed right through the heart of Gilead. It was an agriculturally significant area as well as an important trade route. But of all things, Gilead was known for its bond. In relation to the question, I point out two things. One, I think of the provision that was available in Gilead. As I said, Gilead was known for many things. But most of all, it was known for its bond. As I said earlier, this bomb uh, had medicinal qualities. It was famous for its medicinal qualities. For 50 generations, Gilead was famed for its plants of aromatic and medicinal herbs and bombs, especially this particular bomb. And so when the question is asked, is there no bomb in Gilead? The answer is yes. That is the answer to the question. Yes, there is a bomb in Gilead. So Jeremiah is saying, the people are saying, is there no bomb in Gilead? They knew there was a bomb in Gilead. There was a plenteous supply of bomb in Gilead. And Jeremiah says, is there no bomb for a sorrowful heart? Is there no bomb for a sinful heart? And the answer is yes, there is a bomb in Gilead. Are you listening to me this morning? Maybe your heart today is broken. Maybe you bear a sorrowful heart today. And maybe you're wondering, is there a bomb for my broken heart? I want to say yes, yes, yes. There is a bomb in Gilead for your broken heart. And maybe your heart has been broken by the cares of life. And maybe something has happened in your life that has shattered your heart. But I want you to know this morning, there is a healing bomb in Gilead for your broken heart. Is there a bomb for your sinful heart? I don't know about you, but I'm thankful I can get up here this morning and say that one day, April the 2nd, 1972, I found out personally that there is a bomb for the sinful heart. And I found out that there is a bomb in Gilead for the heart that is ruined and wasted by sin. Are you tired of the empty life you're living? Are you tired of the wasted life that you are living? Then I want you to understand something this morning. There is a bomb in Gilead. Pliny and Pliny in describing the bomb of Gilead said that the tree from which the bomb comes is all medicinal. The chief virtue is in its juice. The second in the seed, the third in the rind, and the last in the stock. And he said that it comforts both by tasting and by smelling. Well, let me ask you something. Has your sorrow and your sin left a bad taste in your mouth? Then I want you to know something. There's a bomb in Gilead. Has sorrow and sin left a foul stench hanging in the air? Then I want you to understand something. There is a bomb in Gilead. As the songwriter said, there is a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a bomb in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. If you were to visit Palestine today, unfortunately, you would not find this bomb. But I want to remind you there is a plenteous supply of this bomb in heaven today. There is a bomb in Gilead. But look at the second thing. You not only see the provision, 
that was available in, in Gilead? Is there no bomb in Gilead? But second of all, the physician that is available in Gilead. They said, is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? No doubt because of this bomb, its medicinal qualities, physicians were found in large numbers in Gilead. And so when the question was asked, is there no physician there? The answer was yes. There are plenty of physicians to be found in Gilead. As we might say, there was a doctor's office on every corner. Is there a bomb? Yes, there's a bomb. Plenteous supply of this bomb. Is there a doctor in Gilead? Yes, there are plenty of doctors in Gilead. I ask you today, is there a physician available to treat your sorrowful heart? Is there a physician available to treat your sinful heart? And the words of the songwriter, the great physician now is near, the sympathizing Jesus. I want you to understand, yes, there is not only a bomb in Gilead, but there is a physician in Gilead for your broken and your bound heart. We read in Exodus 15, 26, I am the Lord that healeth thee. And that name or that statement is, in that statement we have one of the compound names of God. It is Jehovah Raphi. That means the Lord thy physician. I want you to understand something this morning. As believers, we have a heavenly doctor. As believers, we have a heavenly physician. And as Whittier put it, the good physician liveth yet. Thy friend and guide to be, the healer by Genesareth, he shall walk the rounds with thee. There is a physician available today for your broken heart. Jesus is that great physician. There is a physician available for your sinful heart. Jesus is that physician. As Malachi said, he shall rise with healing in his wings. Is there a bomb in Gilead? Yes, there is a bomb in Gilead. Is there a physician there? Yes, there is a physician there. But look at the third and the final thing, and this is what I want you to get. Are you with me now? Say amen. Where, where, uh, when the bomb is required, when there is a sorrowful heart, when there is a sinful heart, where the bomb is found, and where the bomb is received, Gilead. But look at the third thing. Why the bomb is refused? Look at the questions. Question one is, is there no bomb in Gilead? Yes, there is. There's a plenty of supply of bomb in Gilead. Question number two, is there no physician in Gilead? Yes, there's numerous physicians in Gilead. But here's the third question. Look at it in verse 22. Why then? Is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? Now, Jeremiah is reasoning within himself. Jeremiah is thinking. He's putting one and two together, one and one together. And he, he thinks to himself, he said, if there is a bomb in Gilead, and if there is a plenteous supply of this medicinal, is God's people still sick? Why have they not recovered Jeremiah, he asked, he said, I don't understand it. There's a bomb, there's a physician there, but why have they not recovered? The answer is very, very obvious. There's only one answer to what Jeremiah is asking. The reason they were still sick, even that there was a bomb, there was a physician, but the reason they were still sick was the people had refused to avail themselves or take advantage of what was available to them. I think about a preacher friend that I have in another state whose wife died of cancer 
a few years ago. In fact, their Satanist was somewhat discovered by accident. The family discovered it somewhat by accident. And when they discovered it, they made her go to the doctor immediately. But by then it was too late. She's eaten up with cancer. She was dead in three weeks. And I remember talking to the husband about it. I was in the camp meeting. We were standing there talking. He's telling me about the illness of his wife. And he said to me that day, he said, the doctor said to me, she had to have known she was sick. She was in such bad shape. In fact, cancer was so bad, it was eating through her body, eating through her skin. And the doctor said she had to have known she was sick. But she didn't say anything about it. She didn't tell anyone about it. She didn't let anybody know. She didn't go to the doctor. And when she finally was made to go to the doctor, by then it was too late. Now, why is it that we are still sick? Why is it there is a bomb in Gilead and there is a physician in Gilead? Then why then is our health not recovered? We should ask ourselves this morning why we continue to carry our burdens of sorrow and to carry the burden of sin when there is a bond and a great physician that is available to us. Do you have a sorrowful heart this morning? Do you have a sinful heart? Would you like to find healing for that heart that is broken by sorrow and that heart that is bound by sin? Would you? What do you got to do? I want to give you three simple things you got to do today. Write these three things down. What do you do? There is a bomb in Gilead. Amen? There is a physician in Gilead. Amen? So what do you got to do? Three simple things. One, there's the place you must go. There's the place you must go. Where was this bomb to be found? It was to be found in Gilead. If we are to find healing for the sickness of our heart and healing for the sickness of our soul, then we must go to Gilead. You say, Brother Ken, what are you talking about? I'm talking about coming to the foot of the cross. I'm talking about coming to the throne of grace and coming to the place where we can find help and healing for the needs of our life. In a few minutes, I'm going to give an invitation. I'm going to invite you to come down here and kneel at this altar. This morning, I want you to know this altar could be your Gilead today. This altar could be the place where you find healing for your heart and for your soul. There's a place we must go. And second of all, there's the person we must see. When we come to Gilead, we don't want to just Gilead and just run around town and see the sights. We go to Gilead for a reason. There's a person we want to see. There's a doctor we want to see. How do you, get, how do you find healing for your soul? You come to the Lord Jesus Christ. There is Gilead. You come to him. You come to the cross. You come to the throne of grace. You come to Christ. You come to him as the great physician. And I want to say to you this morning, Jesus is the only one that can heal a broken heart. He's the only one that has a remedy, has the remedy for a sin-sick soul. Max Wright tells of passing a repair shop. And in the window, the repair shop was a sign that read, We mend everything except broken hearts. Brother Wright stepped back and entered the store, and there he found a young Jewish lady at the counter. And he said to her, he said, I saw your sign, and I want to ask you, what do you do with people that have a broken heart? And she said, oh, we send them to the hospital. Oh, Brother Wright went on to tell her about Jesus and told her how Jesus was the Messiah and how he had been sent to heal the brokenhearted. I want you to listen to me this morning. Only Jesus can heal a broken heart. You go to the hospital. You can have a blockage. You go to the hospital, and they can take care of your blockage. You can have valve problems. You can go to the hospital, and they can take care of those problems. 
In some cases, they can even give you a new heart. But there's not a hospital in this country that can heal a broken heart. Jesus is the only one that can heal a broken heart. You take your life. You could go to a doctor today and say, Doc, my life is in a mess. This is, what I, this is how I've been living. This is what I've been doing. My life is in a mess. And I'm sure the doctor, the best of his ability and the best of his understanding would prescribe for you a change of life and a change of lifestyle. But yet as many of us have found by experience, change within ourselves and change by ourselves is often a futile effort. But I want you to know something this morning. I know a doctor that not only will tell you to change, he'll do the changing for you. I'm talking about a doctor that'll give you a brand new life and make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. Check out his references. There are thousands and thousands of names that you could call that could stand up and testify and say, my life was a mess, but I went to Gilead one day and the great physician changed my life. I'm talking about the person you've got to say. Come into Christ. Give him praise. He's worthy of it. Amen. There's a third thing. There's not only the place you must go and the person you must see, but there's the prescription you must take. You see, it's not enough just to go to Gilead. You've got to see the doctor. And it's not enough just to go to Gilead to see the doctor. You've got to take the medicine or the prescription that he gives to you. Because if you went to see a doctor, you were sick, and you told him your symptoms, and he ran a series of tests and diagnosed the problem, and he gave you a prescription. If you wouldn't take the prescription, you're only wasting your time and money and his time as well. The patient must take the doctor's prescription if there's any hope of getting better. Well, I want to tell you something. There is a bomb in Gilead today for your sorrowful heart. There is a bomb today for your sinful heart. There's a physician that can give you that bomb. What is the prescription that Jesus would give? Well, it all depends upon the case. But if you are sin sick, then most likely the prescription will read something like this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Or it may read, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. His prescription will call for repentance, a turning from your sin and putting your faith in Christ as your Savior and making him Lord of your life. If your heart's broken by sorrow, his prescription most likely will, relieve, will most likely read casting all of your care upon him for he careth for you. It could read trust in him at all times, you people, and pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. Or it may read trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him. What I'm saying to you this morning is this. Why continue to live an empty, miserable, frustrated life when there is a bomb and a physician that is available to you? Why carry your burdens and live under the weight of, a, of your sorrow when there is someone that can heal your broken heart? Why do it? There's the prescription that he gives. It was about this time last year that I had the opportunity of being in Northern Ireland. Terry was Tom Hayes. And we were staying in the town, little town, little Irish town of Bambridge. Brother Victor Maxwell, we'd stay in the Maxwell's home. Brother Victor spoke in our morning services of our Bible conference. Bambridge, named after the River Ban, the bridge over the River Ban. Beautiful little Irish town, small little town. But while we were there, 
Brother Maxwell carried me out to see the home of Joseph Scriven. He had lived in Bambridge at one time, originally of Dublin, but he'd lived in Bambridge at one time. There's a house there still standing, and there's a marker on the house and whatever where Joseph Scriven had lived. He carried me over in the center of town, and he showed me a memorial that had been erected by the town in memory of Joseph Scriven, in honor of Joseph Scriven. He told me as we were driving through town, he told me the story, one of the stories about Scriven of how on the day before his wedding, his bride-to-be was accidentally drowned in the river band. I later read about it as I came back home and did some more reading on it. I read that when Joseph Scriven saw her body as it was taken from the water, he suffered a shock that was to stay with him the remainder of his life. Trying to forget the tragedy, he moved to Canada where he spent the rest of his life. But I read about how about 10 years after living in Canada, helping the less fortunate of the towns of Lake, Rice, and Port Hope, he learned that his mother was going through a time of testing and grief in her life. So in, in an effort to try to comfort his mother, he wrote a poem, a poem that he called A Friend Who Understands, and he sent it to his mother. Some years later, this poem was found by a writer or by a musician and he set the poem to music and the result was it gave us the great hymn what a friend we have in Jesus now you're familiar with the hymn you know the hymn very well but I want you to hear the words of the stanza first stanza and I want you to see the words I will put them on the screens you on the screen you know the song but look at the words and think about the words again Scriven wrote what a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and grief to bear. Aren't you glad? All our sins and griefs he bears. What a privilege. Yes, it is. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Isn't it a privilege to take our burdens and griefs to the Lord? But here's what I want you to see. He continues, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Look up here at me. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Yes, there is a bomb in Gilead. Yes, there is a physician there. Then why is the health of the daughter of my people not recovered? In the words of Joseph Scriven, it's all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Would you stand at our feet? Will your feet, please? Do you have a sorrowful heart today? Then why don't you go to Gilead? Why don't you go see the great physician? I want you to know today he can and he will heal a broken heart is your life bound by sin has the world said to you that your case is hopeless has the world's physicians looked at you and said no hope you've gone too far then I want to remind you that Jesus the great physician specializes in hopeless cases he's never met a case yet that he couldn't do something for 
and maybe your life today has been wrecked and ruined and destroyed by sin, I've got good news for you. There is a bomb in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. In fact, it doesn't matter what the needs of your heart are today. It doesn't matter what the needs of your soul may be today. There is a bomb in Gilead. There is to make the wounded whole. There is a bomb in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. We're going to sing in just a moment. I'm going to invite you to come today. There's no reason for you having to live with an empty life. There's no reason for you having to go on with a life that is empty, a life that has been wasted by sin. No reason. You know, there's no cause for having to live that way. You can, can have a brand new life. I know a physician that can give you a new life. How many of you have met that great physician? <laughs> Aren't you glad one day that he stamped your record cured and healed? Aren't you glad for that? He took your old sin sick soul and he cleansed it and made it whole. Washed it in his blood. Applied the balm of Gilead to your life. Thank God for that. You don't have to live in sin any longer. You can come to Christ today and let him save you. Then again, your heart may be heavy today. Your heart may be weighted down by the burdens of life. Why don't you cast all of your care upon him? He cares for you. Why don't you come to the great physician today and let him give you heaven's healing balm. Let him heal your broken heart. You, you can let him heal your bitter heart. You can let him heal your hard heart, that hate, hateful heart. You, whatever the condition, he specializes in healing hearts. I want you to come today. Then there may be those today who want to come and unite with our church. When we sing, you just walk down the front. Take a seat right here on the front row. We'll get the information we need from you. If we can pray with you about anything, whatever the need, I want you to come. We're going to sing Joseph Scriven's great hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. It is true. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. There is a bomb in Gilead. There is a physician in Gilead, and there's no reason for you to bear that grief and to bear that pain. Bring it to him today. Father, this morning in Jesus' name, we're so thankful that you are the bomb in Gilead, and you are the great physician. So today I pray that you would speak to hearts and bring people to the Lord today. Father, I pray that they'll come to you. Lord, <coughs> that medicine is there. The healing is available. It's up to them, Lord. You want, to, want them to come. If they'll just come to Gilead and come to you, Lord, you'll give healing to their heart and soul. So do that today, Lord. Let them come. In the name of Jesus, we pray and ask these things. Amen.